weeknights from 6 on 2FM. Yes, well, a big thank you to the two Johnnies for another entertaining afternoon. It is Tuesday, the 21st of February. I'm Shane Dawson, and you are listening to Game On. Coming up this evening, we're building up to a big night in Anfield as Real Madrid take on a Liverpool side returning to a bit of decent form at long last. You always work so hard for qualifying for the Champions League, so I really think you have to cherish these moments where you just think, OK, that's Liverpool, Real Madrid. That's his way. If you, if you, we all dreamt of that. We all did. I expect Anfield on their toes, to be honest. I'm really happy for the people that they saw us in a better shape the last two games, that they have a bit more things to, 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 to look forward to. And, yeah, let's go together again. We'll hear from Vera Pau in Marbella as the Republic of Ireland's training camp ramps up with a friendly against China tomorrow. In boxing, we will have the latest on attempts to sabotage the Paris Olympics. And in rugby, we'll hear from the Irish Six Nations camp as well as Warren Gatland on the ongoing unrest in the Welsh ranks. If you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552 or tweet us at Game On 2FM. Game On on 2FM. Yes, hello there, good evening. It's great to have your company on this uh, Tuesday evening. Paul Corey is live in studio. We've lots to get through. Kevin Byrne of the Irish Sun will be joining us shortly to chat boxing. I have a couple of news headlines, but first, Paul Corey. Already it is five past six and Real Madrid have released their team for their Champions League match with uh, Liverpool this evening. Rugby-esque timings of releasing a team. Is that just with Madrid? I think so. I think it might have been you and I before I've, I've, I've mentioned this. Yeah, I think it's a... I don't think it's necessarily a Spanish thing yeah. as such. Might be just yeah. that confident, you know? Who well, cares? it's very, very strong, Shane. I was just looking at uh, the eleven and trying to work it out on on a on a shape basis. And it, to be honest, which it's not too different from the starting eleven that they would have had in the Champions League in in Paris last May. So it's Courtois and goals, Carvajal right back, Militao and Rudiger centre halves, Alaba left back, a midfield three of Camavinga, Modric and Valverde, and a front three then of Rodrigo, Vinicius Jr. and Karim Benzema. So there's a couple of players there, Shane, who have been out and mm. maybe carrying knocks in the last few weeks, but that is is as close to full strength Real Madrid at this moment in time as you'll get the one that misses out who you who would typically start is, is Tony Cruz he's on the mm. bench along with Eden Hazard and Marcus Asensio okay okay well that was I was on with the two Johnnies earlier and we have a bit of a, an ongoing uh, disagreement he said Liverpool I said Real Madrid and he's like ah Aurelian Tuchemeni's out Cruz is out Pfft. but then you list off those 11 players and you, think, you know uh, they're all world class <laughs> aren't they like th- yeah. there honestly is, is no weak weak spot in, in that team Absolutely. Uh, we will be crossing live to Fergal Brennan, who's at Anfield. Mark Langdon of the Racing Post will be joining us as well. Paul, you're sticking around. We're going to chat Champions League. Leeds have a new manager. And of course, my favourite topic, we'll be chatting League of Ireland a little bit later on as well. As well as hearing from Vera Pau, so a very packed association football uh, segment to come. A couple of other news headlines away from soccer. Rachel Blackmore acknowledged her life-changing Grand National success in Manila Times after the 2021 winner was retired through injury unfortunately trained by Henry de Bromhead uh, there was hope that uh, Manila Times would have another crack at the great race via the cross country chase at Cheltenham however a shoulder problem has emerged which has forced connections to call time on his career he will of course be forever remembered as the horse who enabled Blackmore to become the first woman <coughs> excuse me to ride the winner of the most famous race in the world so unfortunate news there for uh, Manila Times in golf former Ryder Cup star Thomas Peters has joined Live Golf as the Saudi funded breakaway finalised its lineup for the 2023 season. 
The world number 35 is the most high-profile signing for the 14-event league and joins two-time Masters champion Bubba Watson, Taylor Gooch and Harold Varner III on the Range Goats team. In American, uh, Brendan Steele, New Zealand's Danny Lee have also moved to the breakaway circuit ahead of its first event of the year, which gets underway in Mexico on Friday. But as Ortiz, Greg Allen, pointed out on Twitter uh, three months ago, Greg Norman said Liv was targeting seven top 20 players to add to its roster before the uh, 2023 season. And the players Liv have ultimately added Thomas Peters, who have mentioned there, Mito Pereira, Dean Burmaster, Sebastian Munez, Brendan Steele, and Danny Lee. The average world rankings of those players is 106. So just a bit of context uh, there for you. Uh, in rugby, Pete Wilkins is the new head coach of Connacht Rugby. He will assume overall responsibility for the professional team from next season. Connacht and the RFU announced today that following a thorough recruitment process, Wilkins has signed a three-year deal and will lead a new coaching team, which will be confirmed in the coming weeks. A sticking with rugby, Ireland are preparing uh, for the trip to Rome to the beautiful retro Stadio Olimpico uh, this weekend in their Six Nations uh, clash. Uh, Ross Byrne was up on media duty and our own Michael Corcoran had a few questions for Ross. We've obviously had two good performances but there's been plenty to work on um, from those performances so for us that's what we're chasing this weekend you know what I mean? We want a complete performance um, and hopefully we can deliver that this weekend. And there's a lot of positive stuff to take out of that France game, maybe the manner of that victory as well too but you know if you're to be ultra critical which I know you are as a group there's still quite a lot to work on. Yeah, like I think it was an incredible game. Yeah. Um, I think for the the viewer, or the neutral, it was probably the perfect match to watch. But um, yeah, look, as you said, there is lots to work on from it. Um, the good stuff we obviously want to take forward and keep growing that as well. But um, there's little areas as well that uh, we really want to improve on, which hopefully will, will be better for. And when you look at a team like Italy, I mean, I've read some of the comments I've seen, the footage of their, their first two matches, mm. and the opposition, opposition coaches are always saying of how much they've improved and how difficult and sticky a team they are. And we saw that with their, their first home game against France. Yeah, they're a really well-coached team. Um, I think they probably should have won the French game. Um, and they're probably and even in, in Twickenham, obviously, they probably had a poor start, but you saw how they got back into the game in the second half. Um, so if you're if you're not accurate, not clinical against them, it can be a very long day at the office, and they're uh, they're definitely getting a lot better. And in terms of the prep for that game, home partners though those kind of runouts that you've had against the twenties and the D training today, home partners that been in terms of trying to maintain that sharpness that's there. Yeah, it was brilliant to have twenties or training against twenties last week, obviously because there's a nice competitive edge to it as well. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it was brilliant to have that in in the down week, and then obviously the. All the lads come back in here from playing with the provinces and the competition is obviously incredibly high so it drives the group forward. Plenty of competition, plenty of positivity. Dan Sheehan was also, I think, chatting to the media today. He's fully fit and relishing competition at Hooker so perhaps a couple of changes um, ahead of that Italy game that we might see for Andy Farrell's side but plenty of positivity. Not so much in the Welsh camp because Wales head coach Warren Gatland has delayed naming his team for Saturday's under threat Six Nations clash against England in Cardiff. Uh, Gatland had been due to announce his starting lineup at midday today and uh, although that is postponed he still fronted up for media duty and to be fair spoke very well in his press conference well because of the obvious there is a lot of uncertainty around not only the fixture but Welsh rugby as a whole I think with the uncertainty of what was happening and there's been a lot of meetings and things going on so just wanted to make sure we got clarity and um, 
in terms of the boys got a day off tomorrow and then come back on Thursday and we'll announce the team on Thursday. Yeah, so today was supposed to be a, a double session, but we've kept it to just this morning, so we're not training this afternoon. Um, like I said, hopefully those things get resolved and um, boys turn up on Thursday, ready to go for Saturday. No, it's been a bit of a challenge, but yeah, sometimes that galvanises people and brings them together. And like I said, you know, I wanted things to get resolved. Um, you know, hopefully today, and uh, and then we can just focus on the game for Saturday. Do you understand the problems uh, that players have in agreeing performance-related pay as a fair chunk of their wages? given that there are likely to be fewer resources available for the, the regions and therefore weaker sides in the next couple of years. I'm not sure, I'm not sure about your question. Well, the sticking point, as we understand it, is that a chunk of the players' wages will be dependent on results over the next couple of years with the regions, that is. Look, the, 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 my understanding is that the players have asked and requested a number of things to be looked at and I said there's um, discussions taking place today and so I hope those issues will be resolved and uh, the players will be happy with the outcome. Where do you stand on the 60 cap law? Um, yeah, that's one of the things that have been reviewed and like I said discussions are taking place today and I'm sure hopefully there's a, a resolution in that and, uh, and the players are happy with that. So not ideal preparation. Now, just to elaborate on that 60 cap rule, um, that was introduced in 2017 with players who signed contracts with clubs outside of Wales uh, deemed ineligible for international selection unless they've made 60 test appearances for their country, country as I should say. The players want uh, that selection rule for players playing the trade outside the country to be scrapped as designa- designated seat at PRB meetings for the Players Association and a review of proposed fixed uh, variable contracts so talks between negotiators of a new six year financial agreement at the Professional Rugby Board and Welsh professional players are due to continue um, and that will continue tomorrow so if we do have any news on that we will bring it to you here and if anything breaks between now and 7 o'clock Game on Boxing but it is time to chat boxing and I'm glad to say Kevin Byrne, boxing correspondent with the Irish Sun, joins me now. And Kevin, you're on to chat about the ongoing saga, fiasco, whatever word you want to put to it. So I will let you sum this up for our listeners, but basically, and best of luck with that as well. <laughs> but I suppose where we're at is... The International Boxing Association saying that the IOC's qualifying process for boxing at next year's Olympic Games is unacceptable, unacceptable and must recognise a world championship that many countries, including Ireland, are boycotting. So the IBA effectively trying to goad the International Olympic Committee into dropping boxing from the Paris Games, which has failed for now or completely? Um it looks like it's going to make it into Paris because I believe that the IOC are working with a number of nations of which Ireland is one called the Common Cause Alliance. It's it's 20 plus nations, uh, some of the biggest nations around the world like USA, Great Britain, Canada, uh, I think New Zealand are part of it and a, a bunch of kind of nations in Europe as well. So they're part of it. It's almost like a breakaway uh, group. It looks like, unfortunately, uh, the world of amateur boxing is going to split into two. Um and Ireland are going to be on one side of it, which is like the, the greatest thing about amateur boxing is when you're world champion, as Katie Taylor has been, Michael Conlon has been, Amy Broadhurst, Lisa O'Rourke, generally you fought everybody, you know, everybody who's available to you, you've you've gotten through. And uh, it's not like professional boxing, you know, there's four different champions. You're the, you're the champion of, of one. Anyway, I digress. Um, the I, IBA run by a, a Russian tycoon named Umar uh, 
Umar Kremlev, they have uh, effectively tried to goad the IBA into or the, the IOC into dropping boxing from the Olympic Games. But it doesn't. It, it's it's kind of it's a very pathetic uh, course of action from IBA. I believe this week because they're stating that they've laid down an approved qualification pathway to an Olympic Games that they're not allowed to have any involvement with. So it's kind of like setting the terms and conditions for a tournament that you, you don't have any involvement with. So it's it's kind of desperation. I think it's it's adding a lot of confusion and a lot of anxiety to the boxers, the athletes, the coaches, which is, which is very unfair. There's not there's not much there's not much care being taken into where the boxers are at. Um, I think IBA are also trying to get country uh, boxers in the nations that are boycotting these championships to kind of go against their countries effectively. So they're offering to pay for pay for Irish boxers to attend the world championships and then telling them there's Olympic qualification on the line when that's not the case. So it's, it's all very uncertain at the minute, but I think what is certain is that the world championships, men's and women's that the IBA run are not Olympic qualifiers, despite them coming out yesterday and saying that they are approved Olympic qualifiers. Uh, and that won't change. Yeah. That, like in, in terms of that, that stance isn't going to change. I'm still with you. I'm hoping our listeners are as well. Mm. And when you said that, I, I shan't digress. Please do, because this is very convoluted and, so, and does need to be spelled out. The, uh, the, the women's world championships take place next month in India. The men's world championships take place in May in Uzbekistan. Often in the year ahead of an Olympic tournament, those would act as qualifiers. However, the world governing body which runs both of those tournaments has nothing to do with the Olympics on this occasion and in the last one in Tokyo just due to many um, governance issues kind of issues based on corruption referees and judges all sorts of things um, there's a new regime so they were taken off they were taken off running Tokyo 2020 uh, there's a new regime in place since but the concerns remain and the concerns have actually become even greater in this instance because the old regime were seen as um unworkable by the IOC and then the new regime came in backed by Gazprom and said we'll clear all of the debts and they spent Gazprom has spent millions now 30 million dollars and rising I think on taking over amateur boxing and effectively since the Tokyo Olympics wars broken out in Europe on the continent and uh, it's a soft power play by the Russians now effectively to take over amateur boxing which is which is proven to be quite successful um, Kremlev is, is quite tightly linked with Vladimir Putin um, he's on a world tour at the minute. He's, you know, he's in Cameroon last week. He was, you know, holding summits in Abu Dhabi there uh, last month. Spent time in Cuba. He's meeting presidents and prime ministers around the world, and they are spending money on training centers and, you know, athlete provisions all over the place. And they, he is gaining support in the world of amateur boxing, but only kind of two thirds, and the other third want boxing to remain in the Olympics and are aghast at this. And Ireland are one of the nations, second nation, to announce that they're pulling out the World Championships in protest in a bid to kind of preserve boxing's Olympic status. Um, I'm, not, I'm not really sure how it's going to play out, but it does look like a new breakaway organisation is in the process of being formed. Ireland will be in that, will likely be in that, along with the Brits, the, the Yanks, uh, and a bunch of other, a bunch of others, and uh, leaving behind the uh, IBA until maybe there's a regime change if that if that does take place Kremlev is on the record in IBA meetings of saying if you get rid of me you get rid of Gazprom uh, and like almost a threat I am the one who organises this I am the one who brings the money to the table so get rid of me you lose all the money and like, they don't really want to do that mm. You mentioned he so Kremlev and 
the organisation are going around lobbying at the moment and you use the figure there about two thirds are kind of with him and Ireland and a couple of other big nations to be fair uh, Britain and, and the USA as well although they would be in the minority do they somewhat hold more power because they would be larger associations and larger representatives or money talks and they have the majority Kremlev is, is in the ascendancy yeah, in terms of a democratic IBA, uh, no, no country is more powerful than another. So it's kind of like we saw that the scandals surrounding FIFA in recent years. If you can get, if you can get a vote from the Faroe Islands, it's just as powerful as a vote from Brazil or mm. Britain or England or whatever. So you know every vote counts. So if you can build yourself a coalition, then uh, you can do what you like. And Kremlin seems to have done that. But you know the, the Western nations aren't aren't on board with this. The IOC most certainly are not on board with this. And also just the willingness to have a uh, Russian and Belarusian uh, athletes now competing under their own flags. Uh, and many countries in the Western world are are not in favour of that either. So there's a there's a bunch of things going on now. And uh, yeah, Ireland are out. So it's a developing story to to say the least. But <laughs> for for. Well, it's th- for people in the like, I mean, if we bring it down to people who are involved in boxing in Ireland that are day in day out training. And I do want to mention and get on to uh, a couple of Irish boxers in the Stranger tournament in, in Sofia. But but for people who now are competing in boxing, how worrying is this for them? It's got to be like you know, uh, careers are short. You know, at the top, it takes a while to become a senior boxer. Now at this stage, boxers used to be able to break through at seventeen, but now it's kind of like the Dublin Ga team or the Kilkenny hurlers, you it, you de- don't tend to break through and become almost the first teamer in the squad until you're in your early 20s. You might have five years at it. There's a massive prize money. Uh, it's Gazprom prize money available in the world championships. You want to be able to take on the best, fight the best. And I don't think the boxers are too interested in politics, really. Interestingly, New Zealand, for this women's world championships, they gave their boxers a choice. The association didn't want them to go to the World Championships, but they said the boxers were so far down the track of preparing for the World Championships. They gave them a choice. And I think they're five to one are going and the, the, the other one is on the fence. But for the men's one now in a couple of months, they're saying, no, we're not going to that. So most of the, bo- the boxers just want to take part. Mm. However, this, um, this course of action, I think is aimed at preserving the sports Olympic status and you know, countries that go along and, and follow the IBA route at the minute is, is further endangering the sports Olympic uh, Olympic potential. Because it's as, as it stands, it's not going to be at Los Angeles 2028. Which is, a, a, like, that's horrible, you know, for, for a sport. It's a disaster. Yeah, no, it is. It, no, it really is. And that's hope, like, it's it's grim. It's grim. And even with the IBA, you know, they have said athletes from boycotting nations can register directly for its championship and has offered to help fund them as well, which is even going to cause further division and further, further well, we'll splinter nations as well and young athletes coming through. Um, in the ring, though, Kevin, because I, I don't want to just kind of move on swiftly, but just in terms of it, it is going to be developing and I'm sure much more is going to come out of this and it's not great for boxing at the moment. But is there a bit more positivity for Irish box for boxers uh, at the moment over in Sofia? Well, there are, uh, the Stranger the Stranger tournament is kind of called by some as uh, like an unofficial world championship. Some of the great nations in the world are there, and uh, that, you can see that by the results of today. So far today, there's been two wins and three losses for the Irish team. The European silver medalist uh, Dylan Eagleson has been beaten by an Uzbekistani Mirza Khalilov, um, who lost to Kurt Walker at the Tokyo Olympics. So he uh, Dylan was beaten on a unanimous scoreline. But uh, Dean Walsh and Aidan Walsh the two um, light middleweights who met in the Irish Elite final last month they both won through 
Uh, Dean Walsh beating Panama today and Aidan Walsh getting a victory over Germany. Both of them winning for the second time in two days. There were defeats uh, for Jude Gallagher against Kazakhstan and Dean Clancy against Bulgaria, both by split decision. Two more boxers in the ring there this evening. Keelan Cassidy, Waterford light heavyweight against Algeria and Dublin heavyweight Jack Marley against Ecuador. Um, five wins yesterday on the opening day. Neve Fay, Jennifer Lahan and Amy Broadhurst as well as the two Walters, Aidan and Dean. And a couple of losses as well for Caitlin Friars, Grania Walsh, Kelsey Leonard on her international debut and Carly McNaught. So a very competitive tournament over there. The USA are over there as well. A lot of the countries in the alliance, there's there's Belarusians. Um, it's, a, it's a melting pot over there at the minute. Uh, it's a tough tournament to uh, to come through. So, you know, there's no... no uh, guaranteed success over there and it's the sort of thing that Ireland are going to need if they're not going to world championships next month they're going to need to sort of do this because there are there are proper Olympic qualifiers coming just down the track the European Games uh, which the IOC have greenlit as uh, Olympic qualifiers they take place from the 23rd of June till the 2nd of July and there's uh, Olympic places there so Ireland I think the, the plan for them is to fight in international tournaments and to uh and to, and to get themselves in good shape for the European Games and ignore what IBA are doing completely. OK, well, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Kevin Byrne, boxing correspondent with the Irish Sun, thank you very much for taking the call. Soccer's coming up next. Game on. European football. Now, you're very welcome back to Game On as we chat European football. Mark Langdon of the Racing Post is going to be joining us. Paul Corey is live in studio. But first, Fergal Brennan is live in Anfield. Fergal, what is the atmosphere like at Anfield? What, about an hour and a half away from kickoff? It's absolutely incredible. I've managed to find myself one of the uh, quietest little spots to, to take this phone call. But just the walk up to the stadium, I, uh, I, I took the scenic route uh, today to, to come up here for the match and, and just the two sets of fans all the way from the city centre it, it kind of it's a little bit of a reflection of European nights being back obviously in the wake of, of Covid-19 etc and Liverpool have not played Real Madrid uh, under Jurgen Klopp in front of their home fans at Anfield um, and it does feel like a very special night you just you get that feel because it's a you know, February moving into spring it's a bit lighter it's a bit brighter It yeah it all feels like a big Champions League night well, it's all the makings for a classic. Myself and Paul Curry are only chatting there off air that this should be a humdinger, and hopefully it is. Um, we revealed the Real Madrid team news that came out at six o'clock, ridiculously early. A very strong team. Um, Paul Curry did mention Tony Cruz is on the bench, which I was surprised at. I thought himself and uh, Tuchemeni were out. Um, so a bit of bit of a surprise there, Fergal. Yeah, I just think Carlo Ancelotti's a fairly wily operator. Tony Kroos and Aurelien Schumann, both left off the squad originally. Um, illness was the official reason given. And then Tony Kroos flew into Liverpool today, met up with the team at the hotel and he's he's made the bench. And I just think that and the, the naming of the team early, it's, it's all the hallmarks of Ancelotti and, and Real Madrid just huge self-confidence in they know what they are they know what they're doing I, I remember back to the final um, in 2022 they named the, the team a couple of hours before the final and it was seen as this big step kind of revealing their hand but I just think it's it's the confidence that he has and he's, it's the confidence that he's got in these players because they are the epitome of been there done that got the t-shirt got a few more t-shirts they they know what they're doing um, and, and that's the reason that they're able to be so so relaxed in this setting two European heavyweights um, genuine heavyweights as well so who is going to win Fergal Brennan will that Anfield roar be enough to see Liverpool over the line I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement that I'm hoping this is a bit of a cracker but I just think Real Madrid have got such a good reputation for being party poopers that nobody really does it quite like them of just getting the job done taking the sting and taking the bite out of, of these situations and I hate 
pouring cold water all over it. But I just, I really want this to be a cracker, a, a 3-2, a 4-3 or something like that. But I just think Real Madrid are so good at that, at just turning up, being Real Madrid, getting the result that they want. Even if that's a draw tonight, obviously with, with the away goal situation not being a factor anymore. As long as they're going back to Madrid in the second leg, not trailing by two or three goals, they'll be super confident. And I, I'm absolutely torn between it being a wild night full of goals or an absolute nil-nil, maybe a one-all if you're lucky. Um, but I, I don't see it being anything in between. I think it's going to be either crazy or just a bit meh. <laughs> This is bang on. This is nailed on to be a nil on boring shot. <laughs> well, listen, Fergal, regardless of how many goals are scored, enjoy uh, the evening and enjoy that Anfield roar. Unfortunately for myself and Paul, we're stuck here in the studio. However, uh, Mark Langdon joins us now as well. Um, Mark, are you expecting and hoping? Well, I know you're hoping for a few goals and a bit of a classic, but is that what you are expecting? Uh, I, 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 no, I'm no. Okay, is any Paul? Someone bail me uh, out here. <laughs> I, think, I think the you know the the, the fact is, um, look, I, I mean, these are two great teams, two great names. I think um, you know if you're expecting loads of goals in terms of a classic, then maybe that's where um, you know, it, it won't happen. But I mean, I, I just think whenever Liverpool play Real Madrid at Anfield in front of that crowd, it's going to be a special occasion. I think it'll be um, you know, a sort of a fascinating match um, between. You know, two teams are, are, have not been at their best for all of this season. But if you go back to last week's Champions League first legs, they were just all tight. Um, and I, I do wonder whether the fact that there's no away goal rule in operation um, anymore, whether you know that does sort of just change the dynamic um, of, of these two-legged um, ties. Because last week's ones, um, you know, all, all over the place really were um, low-scoring affairs. I mean, the, the, the good news for this game is that you know we know that Liverpool are better going forward um, than they are defensively. And you look at that Real Madrid front three with Benzema, Rodrigo, and, and Vinicius Junior, and and you know there's excitement there. So um, I, I think it'll be a, a really entertaining game. Um, but it might not be one that, that's full of goals just because of how much is riding on the game. And, you know, it's only the first leg. Exactly. Well, it is a repeat of last year's final, which there was only one goal that went in the favour of Real Madrid. Vinicius Jr. scoring at an unsurprising Jurgen Klopp was asked about last year's Champions League final. So, we played this final in Paris and I didn't watch it back since then until this weekend. So, I'm, the thing I realised immediately, now I know why I didn't watch it back. So, but I had to have a proper torture um, because we played a good game and we could have won the game and that's a decisive goal. We could because we didn't. They scored a decisive goal, we didn't. And that was the reason. Um, you could see in this game how experienced uh, Madrid is, how little they are fussed by the fact when the, when, the, when the other team has chances. They don't lose confidence in one second. They know our chance will come. They are there for that. Then they defend with legs deep defending together so this is this team and that's the competition and that's what you can learn from them definitely but that's seven eight months ago um, before that the last time when we when they knocked us out we played there on the training ground and here in an empty stadium uh, here the game was really good it was a really good nil nil where we had we, 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 we had, yeah we let them run. Let me say it like this: we let them work hard for the money, and um, that was good. But this is now different teams, same clubs, different teams, different times, and so 
there's a history. In the last few years, one of us was kind of always in the final. That's how it feels at least. Um, and usually, if you want to go to the final, it's always you have to kick us out or them. This time we play each other. So let's see who can go through. Paul, I do want to uh, ask you on your thoughts on Liverpool, but first, I'm not having Jurgen Klopp. You only watch the Champions League final back? It might be a difficult one to watch back. That's one you have to absolutely watch back, tactically even, no? Yeah, I maybe. know he's an emotional man, but... Yeah, maybe. I mean, they, they were very unlucky that night, weren't they? Courtois was on fire. Some of the saves mm. that he pulled off. Maybe it was. It would have been a difficult one to to look back and think, what if? Yeah, no, that's fair. I don't think I've watched many losses of my, my team I support anyway back as well I don't think I'd be able to bring myself so <laughs> perhaps it was a bit harsh on Jurgen Klopp uh, different teams different times uh, different uh, there are a couple of different players but in terms of what Liverpool we will see this evening what are you uh, expecting? Yeah I'm, I'm not too sure Shane and I think that's probably been the question that has lingered over Liverpool all season I mean Klopp mentioned that they had met each other back in May in the Champions League final but this is a, a completely different Liverpool side when you just mm. look at the performances that they're churning out on a weekly basis they are littered with inconsistencies both on a team level and on an individual level and if they are to produce a performance like let's say a Man City that they had earlier on in the season or even for periods against Newcastle and Everson well then they'll certainly give Real Madrid a run for their money but if they play like they have done against the likes of Wolves and Brighton if they're going to cough up chances against uh, a team with Real Madrid's quality I think they could be punished I really do I think a lot of that is going to depend on on that midfield battle um, and, and how that kind of pans out Liverpool when they've been poor this year have not given any sort of protection to that back four Van Dijk coming in will certainly help but I'm sure whether it be Fabinho Henderson or Bakatic they're going to have to give give that back four a dig because there's so much quality going forward in that Real Madrid front three so it'll be interesting one to see particularly Bakatic you know this is a completely different test than what he's been up against in recent weeks I'm sure Real Madrid will set traps and try get him to cough up possession and, and get at the Liverpool back four from there but a really interesting one to see how it pan out I know Klopp has mentioned midweek that he's happy going into this and if he had a bass moment to go obviously no wins in January would have been chaos and would have been Jesus this is damage limitations almost as well two wins and a bounce however that's against a 10 men Newcastle which you know was nearly a foregone conclusion given the way that it happened with Dick Pope being sent off etc etc have they turned or are you still fearful that, that they, this is a team littered with inconsistency I don't think they've turned no. I think it's way too soon to say that they have if you look back at the Everton game you know the, the first goal that they scored Tarkovsky was it he hit the post or was off the line and then they've gone down the other end and they've broke and they've scored from there and that maybe changed the game Newcastle in the first 10-15 minutes Alisson pulled off two worldy saves that if, if they gotten in front it could have been a completely different proposition but they have played well in you know, in spells within those games, I think Salah's looked much better. Gakpo getting on the score sheet is is very important for him and his confidence. And I think Nunes is slowly but surely churning out performances. Of course, he wants to add goals, but he's the type of player against Real Madrid back four can certainly cause problems. But it's it's just it's going the other way. Like I, I could see Vinicius Junior causing Trent all sorts of problems. He did in the Champions League final last year. Uh, he ultimately got the winning goal and Trent going back and defensively has been really weak and the same you could say for Andy Robertson on the left hand side the likes of Rodrigo and Benzema whether they Benzema pulls right or left if they could double up in those fullbacks they could cause a lot of trouble for me I, I would fancy Real Madrid I always get the feeling that irrespective of how they're playing in, in La Liga they're able they, they're, they're one of these weird sides that's able to turn up mm. on big European nights flick the switch and just produce and um, I could see them doing that tonight 
Mark, that was my question to yourself on Real Madrid's La Liga form. However, before I ask you that, we do have the Liverpool team in and Darren Nunez does start. So Alisson, Alexander-Arnold, Gomez, Van Dijk, Robertson, Fabinho, Bacetic, Henderson, Nunez, Salah and Gakpo is Liverpool's starting eleven, uh, And we mentioned the uh, Real Madrid team earlier. Courtois, Carvajal, Militao, Alaba, Benzema, Modric, Camavinga, Valverde, Vinicius Jr., Rodrigo and Rudiger. That is in numerical order, not exactly how they will play. But Mark Langdon, would you read much into that? The league of form, what, they're eight points off Barca at the moment? Yeah, I mean, we, we tend not to with Real Madrid um, because they do just... Um, as was alluded to there in the studio, they just are able to, um, you know, just turn it on and it's, um, it, it doesn't seem to matter. I would say that sort of Spanish form overall, I think there is a question mark as to how good La Liga is at the moment. You know, Barcelona are running away with the title, but I thought Manchester United were the better side at the new Camp last week. Um, you know, and, and they're obviously, um, you know, in, in good form, but not the best team um, in England. Atletico Madrid already out. Um, of the Champions League um, and Europe altogether. Sevilla um, also out um, of, of the Champions League. So it wasn't a good um, sort of Champions League group stage. Barcelona, of course, themselves were knocked out of the Champions League. So um, th- th- there is a question mark as to just how good La Liga is um, overall at the moment. And I, I suppose if Liverpool are looking for, just for how much Real Madrid have changed, it would be in that midfield area because last season with Casemiro, Modric and Cruz, I think you knew what you were going to get um, from from uh, you know Real Madrid. Camavinga is a, a hugely talented player, but somebody that spent sort of more often in sort of recent weeks has been playing uh, left back. So a, a big job for him on, and they're probably not quite as strong and as composed. When Jurgen Klopp there was talking about how they um, you know got so much confidence in their own ability, some of those players j- just not there now. So it is a, a changing of the guard um, in, in some areas of that Real Madrid team. So I'm not sure they are as good um, as last season, but the same is true of, of Liverpool. But I suppose to answer your question, uh, Real Madrid, tend to be a very different team in Europe to what they are domestically. OK, Liverpool Real Madrid live on RT2 television kicks off at 8pm. Also kicking off at 8pm is Eintracht Frankfurt and Napoli. I've used this phrase a lot but perhaps it's the hipster's choice this evening. Mark Langdon with your European hat on once more. Napoli running away with Serie A and Eintracht Frankfurt there are competing in the Bundesliga shall we say. Yeah, they are. Um, you know, I, I think that they've done really well to get to the last 16. Obviously, won the Europa League last year. Um, the the emergence of Mouani up front, um, that the player that um, sort of broke through into the French national team squad, scored in the semi-final, missed that one-on-one in in the last minute of the World Cup final. Didn't let that damage his confidence. In fact, he's he's, he's kind of just grown into an, an even better player. I would say in the last couple of months, probably just just boosted by the fact that he was, you know, playing with Mbappe and making a difference at that level. Um, he, he's, you know, a, a big threat always for Eintracht Frankfurt. But Napoli, and you're right to say they're the hipster's choice. Um, and you, you look at him and think, well, they haven't got the star players. They haven't got the wage bill of, of some of these top teams. I mean, I think if you watch enough European football this season, you'd have to say... They're playing the best football in, in Europe, um, bar nobody. And um, they absolutely stormed through the, the group stages. Um, they will expect to beat Eintracht Frankfurt over two legs. I think they'll expect to beat them in, in Germany the way that they're playing. 
and you don't want to play them. They're, they're a dangerous team. Um, they're absolutely thrashing everybody in Italy. You can argue about the quality of some of the opposition, I suppose, in Serie A. But um, you know, Liverpool found to their cost when they went to Naples earlier on this season. There's just so much quality. They moved the ball so quickly, um, and it, it's very attractive. And I just hope that they don't freeze on on this occasion. They shouldn't do against Eintracht Frankfurt. But the opportunity, I think, is there to do something very special. Um, this season it looks like the league's wrapped up um, they, 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 they've they got the ability to make their mark on the Champions League for sure OK that one also kicks off 8pm hopefully two crackers in store this evening Paul Corey just briefly before we do wrap up uh, former Watford boss Javi Gracia is set to be named sorry has been named uh, manager of Leeds United ending the club search for uh, Jesse Marsh's successor he of course took Watford to the FA Cup final in 2019 before managing Valencia and El Sad in Qatar uh, how concerning would you be if you're a Leeds fan that he's what probably the fourth or fifth choice after a couple of people have turned him down and a couple of other options they explore just didn't work out yeah I'd be slightly concerned uh, I think it's important that they got the, the appointment done and dusted because the, off the back of the result against Everton it puts some second bottom of the league and they come in playing Southampton this weekend it's it's a important week and a, an important couple of weeks it's going to be for Leeds that they at least keep a hold of, of teams in and around them and um, you know Garcia did a good job at Watford he kept them in the Premier League um, Watford is a bit of a basket case club with the, the rate at which they he go got through like mid-table and then next season got the boot after about four games yeah yeah it doesn't surprise you at Watford so yeah it'd be an interesting one he was, he's obviously out in, in Qatar most recently so uh, somebody you haven't seen in the Premier League for the last couple of years but on the basis of the job he did at, at Watford you know, he, he did a good job there. It's going to be an uphill battle, though, for them, Shane. Absolutely will. OK, Paul, you're sticking around the chat, League of Ireland. And we're going to be hearing from Vera Powell in a few moments' time, so stick with us here on Game On 2 FM. Game On. Football. Now, sticking with football, the Irish women's national team are over in Marbella at the moment, and things will heat up literally and figuratively when they uh, take the short 50-minute drive from their training base in Marbella to Estadio Nuevo Mirador in Cavite. The 7,500 capacity stadium will host their friendly against China tomorrow. A game that you can see live on the RT News channel at 1 pm. And earlier today, our own Tony Donahue caught up with manager Vera Pau. Vera, we're here in, in Spain, part of the, uh, the camp, as you begin your serious preparation for the World Cup. Uh, good weather, but you're here to work, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. We, um, I think the players uh, can enjoy the weather a bit more than we do because it's a lot of work. But it's the best place to prepare because uh, it's not too hot, but it's nice weather. We can relax, it's calm, and we have uh, very good opponents here. Tell me about the game against China and how to prepare for them because uh, they're another nation ranked higher than Ireland again. That's yeah. what you did in the, in the build-up to, to qualifying for the World Cup. You insisted on playing nations that were of a higher ranking and yeah. worked for you. Yeah, <coughs> and the meaning now is that we are ready for the pressure that we will face on 20th of July and the, and the two group games after. Um, the only way to be ready for it is to feel it. So um, this game um, is after the closed door against Germany. That's the best game that we can get because Germany, as we all know, is the highest, highest, highest pressure. And we've experienced that. It was so good for us to make that step and to feel it again. Um, and now we hope that we can do a little bit more in our attacking. We've been working on that. Um, and uh, what we now today need to do is to make sure that that doesn't go on cost of our strength 
and as our defensive team organization. Would you say that is your, your biggest strength because you've been, you know, watertight defense almost in, in qualifying? <laughs> yes. Yeah, we had, uh, I think, uh, what is it, eight in a row of no defeats and uh, what is it, seven clean sheets? Seven. And as you, you can't imagine if you see the opponents against it, you can't imagine that that could have happened. But um, it, it's magic. But now we have to make the next step to be ready for a World Cup because that's another level. Talk to me about some of the, the new players. You, we've just mentioned defence and uh, Eva Mannion has come in. Have you been impressed with her? Uh, yes, well, we knew her already. Um, and by the moment that we wanted to bring her in, she ruptured her ACL. So we've kept in contact and uh, <coughs> followed her rehab and, and being discussing. Uh, and now she's ready to get... <laughs> into the game again. I'm sorry for my caffeine. Uh, getting ready to in, into the game again, and um, uh, she's doing really, really well. Um, we'll see how that grows through. If she'll be a lineup player or or not, but um, the the club is very happy that she can be with us now, because the club cannot really give her competitive games in her return to play. So we have a very good relationship. The coach and I are, are calling each other, and I'm reporting back. Uh, and together we make the time that she plays um, so we see how, how, it went, uh, how it goes up because of course we've, we've had players that have done the job um, but we always look um, steps ahead, steps ahead, steps ahead and we'll see who is She yeah. got game time um, I'm assuming against Germany yeah. and, and Marissa Shiva also Yeah. Uh, tell me about her attributes um, She is, um, or well, she said herself, this is the, the the biggest resistance I've ever felt in my life against Germany because of course she never played against the second best of the world um, of the third best I think they ranked three but um, she um, she's uh, uh, somebody that can play in between the lines and she's very dynamic and she is um, extremely direct in her play so that is also what we were looking for and there's one other player then uh, Deborah Ann de la Harp um, who's Australian um, was it difficult to get international clearance for her? Yes, that was a bit difficult. Not because of the situation, because everything was clear and she was absolutely um, <coughs> determined to play for Ireland and not for Australia. Um, and we had uh, the conversation already for a long time. She would come in in November, but then uh, the embassy had, uh, had to send her passport to her but that got stuck somewhere, and that was the reason she didn't, wasn't brought in in November. It's a long way to come, though, to uh, to try and impress you, which shows in itself a lot of commitment, I guess. Yes, and she had to play against Germany uh, with a jet lag, um, so she will get playing minutes to show herself at her best. And for all three counts, you have to be better than we have. Uh, yeah, you really have to be better, but on the, on, on the other side of the coin, they all three... Um, showed with were very impressive in the way they showed that they really chose for Ireland that they want to play for Ireland. This makes your job <laughs> more difficult, though, doesn't it? The yes. girls that have got you to the World Cup, yeah. uh, who have been loyal to you and to Ireland, of course, uh, some of them may well miss out to a to a new player. Yes, um, and the the biggest. How do you deal with that as a manager? Oh, that's very hard. It's very difficult and uh, um, I, I promise Ireland that I only make the decisions, the final decisions to include them if they really make the team stronger uh, because the loyalty to the ones who qualified is huge. 
Um, but it is elite sport, um, and the players also know that. And anything that makes a team really stronger, um, that helps. But there's also another side of it, that we've had uh, a few injuries with Ellen Malloy and Jesse Yu, um, and they were, uh, Savannah uh, McCartney, of course, and, and they were core players of the group. So it's not so much that others will be left home, um, but we also need to take care of that we keep up the level also in the training and on the bench, and maybe of this, uh, a few of them will make the lineup. What are you hoping to see from <coughs> the players against China then? Guts. Uh, that's especially the guts to show their quality so that they're not hiding, but they, they show us that, well, our, our, our slogan is you must have guts to fail in order to succeed. Uh, and only by doing that, you can make uh, the impossible possible. And we always say, and everything uh, is only impossible when it's shown to be impossible. Everybody said we couldn't qualify for the World Cup. Was it? That, uh, they, we'll see, that will be at the end of the campaign. But we say that we're going to qualify and we are preparing and developing to qualify for the World Cup. And if then it shows not to be enough, we'll see that and that's the same now. Are you and the players um, <coughs> feeling the support from Ireland? Now I noticed that you were in Donegal for example, you've been around the country more. Yeah. And are you feeling the, the, I guess the joy that people have in, in, in your success? Yeah, I was just um, explaining yesterday to, to a few of my staff members, in the Netherlands we had the same kind of vibe when we for the first time qualified for the European Championship in 2009 and we went on to the semi-finals. Um, <coughs> England knocked us out four minutes before the end of extra time, so it was huge vibe also. But here in Ireland it's somehow so much deeper, so much deeper in the, in, in, in the belly that, that we feel it. Um, in, in the Netherlands, it was everybody was were delighted for us and, and celebrate. But here, this is so much pride. Everybody is so proud of, of us, and, and that pushes us to higher heights because we feel the responsibility not only to ourselves or football, but we want to make the nation proud. And, and all the girls are part of that, and they all, yeah, they all feel that. So Vera Pau chatting to Tony O'Donoghue in Marbella there. Uh, Paul, she mentioned she wants to see guts from her players in that uh, match against China tomorrow. I don't envy Vera Pau trying to whittle down that squad given the uh, the player pool she has, which is a positive thing, seeing that there are so many players to, to choose from as well. But it's good to have that competition now. It is good to have competition. I think managers will always welcome uh, competition within the squad and blooding new faces into their squad if it can add a bit of quality. But I think she needs to be very careful there, Shane, with with regards to disrupting the the flow, disrupting the the friendships and relationships that have been built and have been successful over the last 12 months because going to a major tournament is much about the squad and the group and everybody getting on in order to then produce uh, positive performances and that squad and the players who she has been loyal to over the last 12-18 months have done that for her so yes of course we'll welcome one or two bodies particularly if we're missing one or two through injury but I think she, she needs to be careful in how she plays her cards there mm, I did uh, enjoy reading Anthony Pine on the RT website I think it was Amber Barrett uh, questioned Mannion when she arrived in camp being like what, what are your intentions here oh, so you're mm. Irish you want to play and, and done well so no, no better woman for Amber Barrett than to be, yeah. <laughs> to well, be it, crashing it, it is quite convenient <laughs> as well that we've qualified for a World Cup and yeah and the, the FAI uh, phones are getting pinged out yeah. of it right, with, with people uh, discovering passports hidden hidden in the back of wardrobes <laughs> and everything else um, 
I want to chat League of Ireland football. I always want to chat League of Ireland football, to be honest, Paul, but we will finish out this evening's show uh, looking back on last weekend's action. Draws all round, except for uh, Bowes in Cork. Uh, they won 2-1. Uh, let us start with Sligo Shamrock Rovers because the current champions, I don't I've lost count of the amount of times that Rovers are just banging in last minute mm. winners and everything else is to firstly stay in the hunt and then to push on and push pull away. However, the, uh, what they were doing to teams last year happened to them because an injury time equaliser from Lucas Browning denied Rovers a winning start to the campaign. Uh, Rovers were down to 10 men after Roberto Lopez was sent off in the 67th minute after going ahead early in the game with a goal gone with a goal from uh, Graeme Burke. Listen, there's only one set of matches gone but they're still the, the team to catch even though they, they didn't get all points uh, at the weekend. Yeah, they were far from, from their fluid best and maybe that's to be expected in, in week one that teams aren't going to be, I guess, uh, as fluid as they have or as maybe a Stephen Bradley team you might expect but the game really changed on, on that red card chain. I mean, it was it was quite naive I thought from Roberto Lopez particularly with the, the amount of experience that he has in order to, you know, just to raise his hands and give the referee the, the chance to send them off Mm. and if you raise your hands you probably do deserve to go by the leather of law but it was the type of game where you would have expected Rovers just to to see it out you know just with, with the experience they have in their squad and how successful they've been in, in recent years but Sligo were fully deserving of their points you know they, they ran Shamrock Rovers very close over that game Alan Manis had to pull off a couple of big saves particularly in, in that first half and uh, the pressure eventually told and Lucas Browning was a very good finish and John Russell and Sligo absolutely deserved a point from that game mm. So Rovers lacked fluidity as did Shelburne at home to Drogheda I was at that one a host of chances missed most notably Matty Smith I encourage anyone on Twitter to have a look <laughs> missed the season already Sean Boyd hit the post a couple of times Pats uh, got a draw with Derry won all both teams would definitely be in the running I'd say How impressed were you with Bowes the only team to, to have a victory at the weekend? Very impressed Um I think we can excuse I said it last week you can excuse some of the results last last year from Bowles with the number of players they lost I mm. think the performances were the worrying aspect uh, saw a different type of Bowles last Friday against Cork I thought they were very quick out of the traps I think the likes of Keith Buckley coming in even Dylan Conley it gives them an extra edge gives them an extra gear and I think they've got good experience now in the squad that was certainly lacking last year the front three was very interesting Akintunde, Afalabi and Dylan Conley I thought they looked really good going forward now they will have stiffer tests than Cork Cork are a very young side coming up I think Colin Healy will look back and maybe be a little disappointed particularly with the with the first 60 minutes and maybe that's been a little harsh on Cork because of the magnitude of the night the occasion was on the telly uh, for a lot of players that would have been their first game in the Premier Division um, and they made a, a good contest of it in the last half an hour but for Bose fans I'm sure that's much more of what they'd be expecting to see from their side there was much more edge there was much more bite to their play that they had in recent years that they seemed to last or lose last season and they'd be expecting much more of that going forward Absolutely, and in the Premier Division, Dundalk were held at home, surprisingly, by uh, UCD won all, and in the First Division, uh, Athlone Town won El Clasico. They defeated Longford Town uh, 3-1. Bad start to Davy Rogers, uh, started as Finn Harris manager, defeated at home 2-1 by Galway. Waterford had an away win against Wexford at 3-0. Kerry, in their inaugural League of Ireland match, were defeated at home 2-0 by Cove. And Bray, our BCO Laura Lee Davis, will be delighted to hear, uh, of course, defeated Treaty 1-0 away. Paul Curry, thank you very much for your company uh, this evening. Enjoy the match. We're hoping for plenty of goals in Liverpool, Real Madrid, live in RT2, and plenty of goals in Hipster's Choice, Eintracht Frankfurt and Napoli, which <laughs> might be on the TV as well. Who knows? Everyone will be watching uh, the match in RT. Paul Curry, thank you very much. Better the Silvers up next after the but from all of the game on team, it is. Bye for now. RTE 2FM.